tonight we have a great privilege. I'm honored to call him my friend, and he is an amazing man of God, and so thankful to have the friendship that I have with him. He's uh, an inspiration in many ways. He's the pastor of our church in Anchorage. Would you please put your hands together for Pastor Vince, Vince as he comes. While you guys are still standing, open your Bibles to Luke chapter 14. Well, don't do that. Try Luke chapter 4. Work out a lot better. It is all good. Luke chapter 4. And we'll be reading verses 18 and 19. And um, like Pastor Alex said, I'm Pastor Vince. I'm from Anchorage, Alaska. <laughs> and I'm here in the valley. Praise God. Wasilla. I like it. Wasilla. Praise God. Hallelujah. It, it just sounds so much powerful like that. Wasilla. Yeah. And we're here tonight to bring the word of God. And we're going to talk tonight about weaponized Christianity. You know, there's a little difference between those Christians who believe what Jesus said about them and those who are just believe what other people have said about them. When you read the word of God, you are not a powerless person. There is no such thing as a powerless church. The church has been endued, equipped, weaponized with power. We're going to talk about that tonight because somebody's got to talk about it. Amen. Praise God. Well, you know, if, if you know God, if it be your will, you know, oh my goodness. Find out what God's will is and then, okay. Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. Are you guys there? It says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. Now, this is Jesus talking. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus knew who he was and he wanted us to know who we are. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. Let it be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, God. Reveal your will for our lives, Lord. Today and every day of our lives, we pray, God, that we would be able, empowered, Lord, weaponized to walk in it, to be who you called us to be and to do what you called us to do, we ask, Lord, that your anointing would come on us to receive your word. To believe your word. To do your word. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen, and you may be seated. You know, a hearer of God's word is okay. It's just not good. As a matter of fact, the Bible is explicit and says to be a hearer of God's word only is to be messed up. When you start doing God's word, <laughs> then you become more powerful than you ever thought you could be. Now, I want to do some things tonight, and I don't have a lot of time. So just bear with me. As I get there, okay, in the Old Testament, 
There's a word in the Old Testament for the anointed one. It's called the Messiah, which is from the Hebrew word Meshiach, which means to smear oil on or to paint with oil or to pour oil on. You'll see it when Moses anointed Aaron. When he poured oil down Aaron's head and it ran down his beard, and you, you'll see that in, in Psalms 133 where it talks about how good, and, it, 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 how good it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity for there the Lord commands a blessing. Okay? All that has to do with Aaron being set apart for the purposes of God. It's a, it's a process called consecration where we are sanctified for the Lord's use. Set apart for God's use. Now, it's amazing to me that we can read the Bible and miss small things that have a, a, a big impact on us. Because Jesus stood up in a synagogue and he says, I am the anointed one. In the, in the, in the, in the Greek, he's saying, I am the Christ. Christ is not Jesus' last name, it's his title. Okay, you have to understand, he is the anointed one. That's what Christ means, the Messiah, the anointed one, same words. Okay, so you, you got me. Now, this is the point where we miss it. Because we are Christians. We are like the anointed one. Now, you, you got to get this. Because we're, we're not Jesians. We are Christians. We are like the anointed one. The anointed one has power. The anointed one, anointed by God, has authority. The anointed one knows who he is and why, and why he was sent here by God, and he knows what to do. And so when he raises up Christ's like ones, we're not to be ignorant of what God called us to do. And how we ought to go about doing it. Oh my goodness. Jesus said some very significant things to his Christ anointed like ones. Oh my goodness. I'm just all beside myself. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18, it says, <laughs> And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image. We're being transformed. We're being metamorphosized into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Oh, my goodness. My wife said something to me the other day, changed my life. She said the word metamorphosized means to be transformed, to change from a caterpillar into a butterfly. There's a transformation there. Once the transformation, if it's a real transformation, if it's true transformation, once you're a butterfly, you cannot go back to being a caterpillar. You have been transformed. You've been changed. All things have passed away. All things have become new. It's a new ball game baby we were crawling 
on the ground, hoping that nobody stepped on us. And now we're flying around. Oh, we've been transformed into something great and mighty. We've been transformed into something that is anointed. We've been transformed into something that has power and authority. John chapter 14 verse 12 says, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also because I go to the Father. When we are anointed, when we are sanctified, consecrated, empowered, graced, called, equipped, authorized, deputized, and thereby weaponized to tear the devil's kingdom down. To see God's kingdom come and his will being done in and through our lives. Jesus said some great things about a weaponized Christian. He said, whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. What is he talking about? He's talking about power, baby. Ooh. He said, my people are bad. He says, they're not Jesians. They're Christians. They're anointed like I'm anointed. Whoa. In Luke chapter 24, verse 49, it says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Until you are weaponized. Hold up until I show up with some power. Don't try to do anything without power. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8 it says, but you shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost is come up on you. <laughs> and ye shall be my witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the othermost parts of the earth. And then verses 1 through 4 of Acts chapter 2 says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound of, from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind and filled the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like a fire, and it sat upon them, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost. And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. You cannot change the Word of God. It's immutable. It says what it says, and it means what it says. So don't ever let somebody tell you it don't mean what it says. In Acts chapter 10, verses 44 through 48, it says, While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came upon all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even upon the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they Ask Peter to stay with him for a few days. Listen, there's a difference between being baptized in the Holy Spirit and being baptized in water. That's all I'm saying. You know, don't let nobody tell you they're the same 
right there in that passage it tells you they're the different. And in Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 7, they read like this. And it happened while Apollos was in, at Corinth that Paul, passing through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples, said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? There's an indwelling of the Holy Spirit that comes when you believe. But there's an infilling of the Holy Spirit that's available to you after you believe. And so the indwelling, the infilling is not the same thing. He goes on to say this. So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there's a Holy Spirit. Be careful when you go to places and they don't mention the Holy Spirit. They want to avoid the conversation of the Holy Spirit. And then they want to tell you what the Holy Spirit is instead of quoting script to you that describes what the Holy Spirit is. Read the scriptures. Hallelujah. Now watch this. Now Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him. That is on Christ Jesus. Now take a pause right there at verse 4 before we read verse 5. What was he talking about? John the Baptist said this. He said, I did indeed baptize you with water for the repentance of sins. He said, there's one that's coming after me, oh my goodness, that is greater than me. He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. In other words, the Holy Ghost and with power. I don't know, I just get excited. Verse 5, hallelujah. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now the men were 12 in all. There is a difference between the Holy Spirit being received at salvation and being filled with the Holy Spirit. That's all I'm trying to say. In Hebrews chapter 13, verses 20 through 21, it says, Now may the God of peace who through the blood of the eternal covenant bought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you, weaponize you with everything good for doing his will. Now God wants to weaponize you. He wants to equip you to do his will, to do everything good. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ to whom be glory forever and ever. Now watch this. In Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What is the will of God? You know, one part of the will of God is this, is that Jesus said this. He says, I was manifest to destroy the works of the devil. And he says, I want you to go and do what I did. If I destroyed the works of the devil, I want you to destroy the works of the devil. But you have to have the right way of thinking. You have to be transformed in your mind. You can be a butterfly and have a caterpillar mentality. That's just ugly. Okay? It's not right. Okay? You, you, you got to have the right kind of mindset. You've been transformed. You didn't just get saved. And to go on and be the same person that you was. You know, okay, now I'm saved and I'm going to heaven no matter what I do. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Be careful. Be careful that everybody tells you, oh, you just keep on. You know, I know some people. This is some crazy stuff. 
People have walked up to me, and, and, and I said, you know, I told them, I said, you know what, what y'all should do is get married. And they looked at me and they said, well, you know, we've been married for, we've been living together for seven years, in the, in the, and um, the state recognized that as, as common law marriage. I said, what the state got to do with it? I said, listen, listen to me, you know, what are you trying to do? You're just telling me I'm going to live in sin, fornicate for seven years, and then after seven years, God's going to bless it and say, now you're okay. You've been living in sin, you've been fornicating for seven years, now everything's fine. It's like, eh. transformed by the renewing of your mind. I had a couple come to church. Okay, they kept me coming to church for two weeks. And then I missed them for a week. You know what they did? They went down to Las Vegas and got married and came back. Okay, and said, we got married. and came up and gave a testimony this morning in church. We went to Las Vegas. We sorry for missing church. You know, we went to Las Vegas and got married. We went to church and made it right with God. It's, don't nobody raise their hand. Anybody out here not married? No, okay, I'm just. But I'm just saying we have to be transformed. In order to do the things of God, you cannot do the things of God without God. And if God is with you, you are not powerless. It says God was with him. Every place you see that, you see a release of God's miracles, signs, and Second Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 6, very powerful scripture. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. What? Did the Bible mention weapons? You know, like, like. You know, what's some examples of weapons? You know, AK-47, grenades, the bazooka. Yeah, you just think of weapons, you know. You know, you, you think of like stuff that do some damage. Okay, we're talking about a release of power. If, if it's a weapon and it has no power, is it a weapon? Oh, look at that. Hallelujah. I got some saved people out here. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. Don't start amening me. God, I go crazy up here. <laughs> Y'all start talking back to me, man. We're going to have some church. Okay. <laughs> but we're weaponized, man. The weapons of our warfare. Here, God is telling us, you have weapons and you fight in a war. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Look, the first war ever fought was in heaven. And I know there's a lot of people out there that tell you, you know, well, God's not in the war and he doesn't want us to participate in death. You know, when you fight, you fight. We're not fighting against flesh and blood, but we are fighting. God's not going to tell you, therefore, to go down to 7-Eleven and, and shoot seven people 11 times. He's not going to do that, okay? You know, because that's not, that's not our weapons. If they're carnal, they're not ours. We are Christians. We are weaponized Christians. We have recognized power and authority in the heavenly realms where we battle powers and principalities. What are you talking about? Of course, I'm talking about Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18, which says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Sounds like God has weapons. 
Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Well, look at this. For we wrestle not. We do not contend. We do not battle. You ever seen two wrestlers? Did it look like they was in the ring going, oh, you know, ah. you, you, can, you can tell they was wrestling, man. There was a fight going on. And somebody was going to win and somebody was going to lose. I'm sorry. Some things have to be explained to, to the nth degree so that people get the picture. Okay, so... For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. You're being fired upon. And if you don't have some defensive weapons, they're not firing you to tickle you. They're trying to kill you. Okay? And God says, man, I've given you a shield of faith which, which you can stop the fiery darts of the wicked one from hurting you. For killing you, from destroying you. Oh God. Whew. Praise the Lord. I'm just having fun. Okay. So you quench all the fire dust and, and take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. You know what? I got a whole lot of knowledge about the armor of God. Okay, and, and, and I'm teaching my people that. But you know what? All you have to do is read the scripture. Know that there's armor. Know that you need it. And people say, well, today I put on the armor of God. You know something about spiritual armor? You don't even have to take it off. I sleep in the armor of God. You know what? Have you ever been attacked in your sleep? Have you ever had an enemy come in and, and put his hands around your throat in the middle of the night? Now, a lot of people don't want to believe that principalities and powers attack people. But every time you make a step for God, every time you say, Lord, more of you and less of me, the enemy comes and says, oh, we got to shake that resolve. That person is going from being powerless to being powerful. And we got to stop them for they tear down part of my kingdom. Mm -hmm. If you were not powerful, the enemy would not be trying to attack you. Hallelujah. You know, though, I speak with the tongues in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1. It says, though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not love, I've become a sounding brass and a clanging cymbal. It doesn't matter what kind of power you have. If, you don't, if love is not the base of that power, everything that you do, you do because of love. See, I like this church. Because it causes you to have confrontations, wrestling matches. You know, it's crazy. You know, I worked in a prison for 13 years. Six years I worked in a prison. It seemed like 13, but six years I worked in a prison. Okay, my last four years, my, I had a supervisor that was a lady. She was a lesbian, confessed lesbian, okay? I got no problem with that. I loved on that lady, okay? And I sat down in her office one day, and I said, you know, because I found out 
because I got to know her that she had a Catholic background. And I said, you know what will happen if you die in the condition that you're in, living the lifestyle that you live? And she says, yeah, you know, I said, as a born-again Christian, I have to tell you that. I have to warn you of the possibility of you entering into eternity without God. And she says, yeah, I understand that. And I said, well, I just wanted you to know I, I, I care about you enough to tell you the truth. And she says, I appreciate that. When I left that jail, she bought me a dates Bible. You know, one of those big floppy Bibles that you hold in your hand, you know, and leather bound. I mean, and she, she, she bought me this Bible. And I said, when your ways please the Lord, it calls even your enemies to be at peace with you. You got to love people. See, it's easy to shout some stuff at people. Oh, you people are crazy. You people are that, that, that. But man, when you let the compassion of God come upon you for people, and you see them in the condition they're in, how can you not go tell them? You know, hey, hey, you know what? You know, I know you don't know me, but, you know, the, I have the love of Christ in my heart for you. And do you know that if you continue to do what you're doing, that you're in danger of hellfire? Oh, my God. When compassion leads you. I remember when the Jehovah Witnesses used to come to my door. And I couldn't wait for them. I had my Bible and I had my little Je witnessing the Jehovah Witness book. You know, and I would just like bam them people on the head, you know, with, with all the stuff that I knew. But I noticed I wasn't touching none of them for God. And so I decided to do something that weaponized Christians do. I decided to talk to God about it. And I said, God, I really want to reach these people. And so how do I do it? He says, love them. Wow. I said, what? He said, develop a love for these people. And you know what was different the next time they came and knocked on my door? You know, they only knock on your door after you leave. Because you move someplace else, they come knock on your door because they mark your house. <laughs> Where you at? It's like the Jehovah Witness. They put that little sign on your door. And no Jehovah Witness they come to your house because they know there's a Christian living here. But then when you move, they don't know. And they come, so I moved, and they start, they came. And when, they, when I opened the door, I just looked at them. And a tear welled up in my heart. And they says, do you know that the earth is going to last forever and you're going to live on earth? I said, I don't know anything about that. I said, what I do know is that God loves you. And he wants to have a personal relationship with you. The God that you believe in, the God that you witness for, doesn't just want you just walking around here without his God. He wants to speak to you. Have you ever heard God speak to you? Do you have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ who loves you far above any other man or any other thing? I mean, he died for you and he loves you. Do you have a personal relationship with a personal God? I, 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 I never heard it. Let me tell you about the love of Jesus for you. Ow! I send them people to rehab, Jack. They gotta go back through all their classes. They gotta be, they gotta be <laughs> re-educated. They gotta be messed up. But I'm telling you, once that anointing, once the power of the Holy Spirit gets on a person and you get real word in them with real love, they cannot go back no matter how hard they try. They can't because the word of God will wrestle. I'm going, I am powerful. Okay, I am full of the Holy Ghost. And I'll whoop a loving anointing on somebody. I don't care how much they believe in there. Well, I'm an atheist. Okay, well, that's fine. Do you know that God loves you? I don't believe in God. God believes in you. Ooh. Samba, samba. That's the truth. They speak the lie, I speak the truth. Ooh. 
In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 and 19, it says, Do not be drunk with wine in which there is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Now, I don't know how you speak in psalms and hymns in spiritual songs without being baptized in the Holy Spirit, but God wants you to... Okay, just real quick. Those are three different types of things. Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. They're three different types. They ain't the same. They don't sound alike. They're different. Okay, you better find out what that difference is. Hallelujah. If you want to be weaponized. <laughs> Dissipation means to squander and to waste, by the way. You're just wasting stuff. In Colossians chapter 3, <laughs> verse 16, it says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, in hymns, in spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Okay. I'm just going to leave it at that. Jude chapter 1, verse 20, it says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Uh-oh. I don't know what you do with Jude chapter 20. Because there's only one way to pray in the Holy Spirit. And that's praying the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Hallelujah. Ah! Hallelujah. What does that mean? Read your Bible. In Acts chapter 10, it says how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth who went about doing good, healing all who was oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. You're Christ-like ones. You heal all who are oppressed of the devil because God is with you. You've got to know that God is with you. God wouldn't ask you to lay hands on the sick and see them recover if he wasn't going to heal them. Has anybody ever died that you laid hands on? Well, I'll tell you what, it's given once for a man to die. We don't know how to pick them times. We just be obedient to God. He said, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Okay? I don't have to deal with the explanation. I don't have to deal with the experience. I have to lay hands on the sick. And I've seen plenty of sick people who are pronounced terminal, going to live long and prosperous lives. Praise God. <laughs> I'm talking about being weaponized here. Jesus Oh, Acts chapter, excuse me, Matthew chapter 16, verses 16 through 19. Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. And I say to you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it and I will give you the keys of the kingdom and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. What does that mean? It means exactly what it says it means. You ain't even got to figure it out. Okay. You can make this hard or you can just receive the word. Hallelujah. I'm, I'm editing this because I need to close this up. 
God's given us the Great Commission. In, in Mark chapter 16, verses 14 through 20, it says later, he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table, and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. I don't know what you do with that statement right there, but do with it what you will. Hallelujah. But they will speak in new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, they will by no means hurt them. I did not tell you to go drink some poison. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So, so then, after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through accompanying signs. These signs shall follow those who believe. So everywhere you go, you need to be casting out demons. You need to be laying hands on the sick. What does that mean? Does that look great why you and uh, Fred Myers, that you're choking somebody in aisle 10? But you, I bind you, Satan. I say, loose them and come out. <laughs> They'd be like, we have a disturbance in aisle 10. <laughs> But you know what can happen in out 10? You say, you know, you walk up to somebody and say, I don't know who you are. But you know, God has told me that God wants to deliver you. He wants to heal you. He wants to save you. With all the compassion of Christ that you have. He wants to break the power that the enemy has had over your life. You know, you've been suffering with, with, with nightmares. And, and, you know, the enemy has come and, and told you that he was going to kill you. Well, God wants you to know that you have power against the enemy. You know, and they'll start crying and they'll start weeping. They'll look at you. He says, if you would just repeat a simple prayer with me, I can equip you to fight back against the enemy that's been tormenting you. Is that okay with you? Yeah. Watch the demon run. So she says, I receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Ah, where did these weapons come from? Ha! Hey! Woo! I don't know what that means. Hallelujah. But I have to explain this to you because this is the game changes from now on out. Now, how many people are going to be here Tuesday night? Because I'm going to finish this message up. Wednesday night. All right. I, I preach over there on Tuesday. Okay. You'd have to be in Anchorage on Tuesday. But let me tell you something. I'm going to change this thing up and we're going to go over some weaponizing things that we do as weaponized Christians. But let me tell you this. This is, this is part of my testimony. From the time I was seven years old to the time I was 27, I was tormented by devils. Okay, to the fact where I couldn't even sleep at night. A seven-year-old. What demon would mess with a seven-year-old? That's okay. I'm not mad. <laughs> 
I'm okay now. I, I, I was messed up then. I didn't know what was happening to me. Seven-year-olds being tormented. 13-year-old tormented. 17-year-old tormented. 22-year-old tor tormented. I mean, every night was the same to me. Tormented so much so that I had to turn to drugs and, and, and alcohol to try to medicate the, the torment. I didn't know the torment was coming with a purpose. I didn't know that the devil was tormenting me because he wanted me to be a drug addict. He wanted me to be an alcoholic. Now, I'm third generation in my family alcoholic. My grandparents were alcoholic. My mother and father, both of them, were alcoholics, okay? And I'm supposed to be an alcoholic except for a divine intervention where God came into my life and God saved me a miraculous, awesome salvation. And, but it just wasn't that he saved me. He equipped me to fight back against the enemy that tried to destroy me. Now, I don't know about you, but in my life, that was all the jelly donuts. That was like the cherry on the top. Okay, that was just like the quiescent point. Wait a minute. You telling me that I get to go and beat up the one that been beating me up for 20 years? Let me tell you something. I got saved on the 26th at the... Um, of, of March, woke up on the 27th. Now for you, nothing happened. For me, what happened the night of the 26th is I went to sleep. And on the morning of the 27th, I woke up. What was, something was missing. I'll tell you what was missing, the torment. I woke up, I went, and I said, what is this stuff? Am I bleeding? I felt all this hot stuff running down my face. And I, and I wrapped it up, it was tears. And I said, well, you, you know, the tears can flow so fast that your skin doesn't have time to react. So it's a different temperature of the, the tears that's coming out of you in the your surface of your face. I felt all this hot stuff running down my face. And then I realized I had slept through the night. And I went, whoa! I mean, 20 years of chains broken off of me in a, in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, and it's like I nailed down on the, I just nailed down on the floor, and I went, God, I didn't even know who I was talking to. I was only a few hours holding the Lord, and I was like, God, thank you. I knew he had done something for me that only I knew about. I had never told, I'd never told my parents. I never told my wife. I didn't tell anybody into this stuff. This was between me and God. And I felt him. I felt him put a sword in my hand. He said, here, son, let me give you something. And he gave me a weapon. And he, it was like he said, arise, servants. I have equipped you. I have empowered you to seek out and destroy that which sought you out and try to destroy you. You will raise your kids in the love, in an admonition of the Lord. I will make a distinction between you and them. Let me tell you what that meant. Everybody in my whole family have been divorced. Except for me. Till this day, I am the only grown member of my family that has never, that has been, that never been divorced. Every other member of my family that has been married has gotten a divorce. 
And I'm like, whoa. Not only, my mother's been married four times. Okay, the last time she got married, she was 73 years old. God bless her. Praise <laughs> you know, this is some crazy stuff. Not only me, but my wife Ava, Minister Ava, everybody in her family that has been married has been divorced, except for me and her. I'm going to tell you, God put something in me. My wife, even one of my darkest nights ever, my wife, I remember she says, I'm leaving you. I was a born-again Christian. I was still stupid. And she says, I'm leaving you. And I said, what? I said, well, all of a sudden, I started getting smart. I go, huh, I can't live without her. <laughs> what the, you know, I don't know what I was arguing about or what the fight was, but it was over. And me, I was like, oop, you know what, hey, you know, uh, can we talk about this? No, I'm going to get on the plane, and I'm leaving. And I'm, I'm calling the cab. I said, you're not going out that door. She said, what? I said, you're not going out that door. And I said, because I will stand and physically stand in between you and that door. And she says, you will restrain me. I said, you call the cops. I'm not going to stop you from doing that. But I am not going to voluntarily let you go. Because I will stand against myself. I said, I'll go to, I'll go to counseling with you. I'll do a whole bunch of stuff with you. But I am not going to lay down and let you walk out on me. I've been given power and authority over all the power of the wicked one. And he's trying to destroy my marriage. And I'm just not going to lay down and let him walk all over me like that. I'm standing up in the mighty name of Jesus. And I'm saying, no! Sometimes when people say stuff to you and it ain't God's, it ain't according to God's word, you don't have to receive that. God's word supersedes man's word. And when you stand up, not in your own power, but in the power of his might, then you're standing up indeed. And you would have whipped out weapons, the weapon of truth. Look, baby, the truth is I might have been making a foolish argument a few minutes ago, but now I'm in my right mind. <laughs> and now I'm going to stand with God. And what God has joined together, let no man, including you, put asunder. You're not going out that door. That night, I became a man of God in my wife's sight. And she looked at me totally different. And she said, really? You're not going to let me leave? <laughs> no, nah, baby. Yeah, I love you too much to ever let you go out. Oh, my hero. <laughs> Weaponize me, Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on. Give me some more of that stuff. Hallelujah. Jesus. There is a more excellent way. There is something different about this valley than it was a few months ago. I came driving in this valley. Spirit of God hit me. Hit me so strong, I started weeping in my car. I'm walking down, I'm, I'm driving down the road, I got my sunglasses on, and hot stuff is pouring down my face before I came here tonight. Do, you do not have to leave here. Don't let the enemy lie to you. The weapons of your warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty. God wants to put a weapon, what weapon does he want to put in my hand? Look, I don't, I don't know what, what weapon he's going to give you, but I know this, it's going to be to make you win. Now, it might be foolish. He gave Joshua a shout. 
He gave Moses a stick. He gave David a slingshot. Oh, good Lord. I don't know what God's going to give you. Maybe he's going to give you a new language tonight. I don't know what it is, but I just know this. It's going to be powerful. It's going to be strong. It's going to pull down the strongholds. It's going to stop those things that are trying to destroy you. It's going to make a way for you where there seems to be no way. Oh, it's going to cause rivers in your desert. God wants to equip you tonight. Whoa. God wants to make you strong and powerful. Watch this. God wants to anoint you. He says, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom, baby. Hey! Ooh. Ooh. Whoa. And you know why? You know why I'm doing that? I'm telling you, I feel a power of God in this place. He said, do not leave this place until God equips you. Now, I know this now. Now, watch this. His weapon for me in the beginning, his first weapon he ever gave me was peace. I didn't know it then. I didn't know what that was because I had never experienced it. But I went to bed and woke up in the morning. And I got a good night's sleep. And I wasn't tossing and turning being woken up in the middle of the night. And I went, oh, there's something different about me. I'm changed. You know, if you're willing to let go of you, God will metamorphosize you. He will transform you. He will renew your mind. He will change you from the person that you've become into the person that you were meant to be. And that has nothing to do with weakness. That has nothing to do with power. Because he says, I will make you just like me. Greater things than these will you do if you will but believe in me. Believe in this church. I don't care what kind of pictures that people have put in your head, but God wants to weaponize you. God wants to give you power and authority that you have never had before. Hallelujah. Now, now don't miss. I do, I'm going to give you a little commercial. For Tuesday, there's a story that Jesus tells about what happens to an unclean spirit when it's cast out a person. It says it walks around in dry places, seeking some place to live. Where is it looking for some place? A dry place. It says when he goes back to the house he was cast out of, it found it swept and cleaned and put in order, but empty. He goes and gets seven other spirits more powerful than himself and moves back in. I heard a guy on TV say this. It blessed my heart because I was walking down that trail and God really helped me. Listen to me. There are dry places in your life that's got to be filled. And if they're not filled, the enemy will try to come in. The enemy is looking for a dry place. Don't give him none. Be full of the spirit of God. Be filled with the spirit. Be weaponized against the enemy. How can a... A man come in and, and, still, and take a man's goodness. He first binds the strong man and stuff. He got to go through God to get to you. Oh, God wants to anoint you tonight. He wants to empower you to fight the good fight, to be he, who he created you to be. First things first. If you want to walk down this road, of being weaponized. Because God wants to give you weapons. I mean, I just got saved. I didn't even know what that meant. And he gave me a weapon against the enemy. He gave me peace. I could lay down at night and go, wake up in the morning. Whoa! Hey! Hallelujah. 
I don't know what weapon you, listen to me, I do not know what the weapon is that you need tonight. I know the first step is, is you got to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That's who he is. But he's not going to force himself on you. You have to voluntarily submit to him. He's not going to come and conquer you. He wants you to receive the gift of God that he has for you, power and spirit. So look at this. If you're here today and you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I mean really, giving your life to God, then tonight is your night. God wants to empower you, but you've got to receive him. You've got to ask Jesus into your heart to make him Lord and Savior. You know, if you do that tonight, I guarantee you that God is going to empower you. He's going to indwell you by the power of his Holy Spirit. And then there's other people. Man, you used to serve God with all your heart. And you used to be a powerful being. But then the cares of this world and the attacks of the enemy had came. And you, and, and you distanced yourself from Jesus. Well, I want you to know that because you distanced yourself from Jesus, doesn't mean that Jesus distanced himself from you. And just like the father in the story of the prodigal son, he stands waiting for you to return tonight. And if you will rededicate your life to him, he will receive you back into his home. And he will empower you. He will give you his robe and his shoes so that you look like him and act like him. He will give you a ring which signifies his power and authority. And he will re-weaponize you if you will rededicate your life to him. So if you're here tonight and you want to receive Jesus, for the first time, or you want to rededicate your life to him, and you want me to pray for you, just simply raise your hand and say, that's me, Pastor, pray for me. I want to receive Jesus. Thank you for that hand. Hallelujah. Thank you for that hand. Hallelujah. I want to, I want to give my life to God, and I want to re rededicate my life to him. I want to come back to him tonight. Come on, everybody stand. the weaponization process is, is owning who you are. And if you can't own who you are here amongst God's people in the house of God, in his own home, you will never own him out there in the street. You'll never walk in what he's given you out there if you can't walk in what he's given you in here. So if you raise your hand and you said, Pastor, pray for me, I want you to come out of the seats. I want you to come stand on these altars. Don't wait, just come. Oh. Now I want everybody, especially the people here on this altar, I want everybody to repeat this after me. You know, when I did this, I didn't know what I was doing. But with your heart, you believe. And with your mouth, you make a confession. And Jesus will hear you. He will hear your voice and he will hear your heart when you speak to him tonight. So everybody in this room, repeat this after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm asking you tonight to forgive me for all my mistakes. I know that you died for me. I know that you died for me. 
Jesus died for me. Paid the price for my mistakes. Paid the price for my mistakes. But you rose again from the grave. But you rose again from the grave. And are alive forevermore. And, forevermore. and through, you, through you, I have eternal life. I'm asking you tonight, come into my life, come into my heart, be my Lord, and be my Savior. Write my name in your book of life and make heaven my home. From this night forward, I belong to you. And whenever I make a mistake, I will never run from you. I will always run to you to receive mercy, grace, forgiveness, restoration, and love. In your holy name I pray. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you, Lord, that all those that said that prayer out loud and meant it in their hearts are saved, God, their destination. is heaven a place that you've created for them to come and to live with you throughout eternity I ask tonight God that you will bless them that you would give them peace that you would give them weapons Lord against the enemy Lord that has come into their lives to still kill and destroy I not only speak to these ones up here but I speak to this whole congregation that we will never look at situations and circumstances the way we want them to we will look at them the way you want us to, God. We will ask you about them, God. We will ask you, Lord, for directions and instructions, God. We want to be weaponized, Lord, against the enemy. And we understand, Lord, that it's not our, our earthly attributes that you want to use. You want to use our heavenly attributes, which we get from you, that are powerful, that are mighty. And we will never again shriek away from having power and authority over the power of the wicked one but we will exert that authority with all the strength and all the might that you've given us we will stretch out our hands in love toward people we will open our mouth in love toward them Lord and tell them the truth Ooh. we ask now God to receive an anointing to walk like you to talk like you to act like you to be like you in every way we possibly can. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. Thank you for coming. I will see you Wednesday night, 7 p.m. for the conclusion of this message. You do not want to miss there because I'm going to tell you what God will do for thirsty, hungry people. Don't miss out. Come. If you need prayer for any reason, just come on up. I'm here for the duration. Hallelujah. I want to bless you. So if you need prayer, I want you to come. God bless you all. Have a great night. We'll see you Wednesday night. Lord bless your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord is mine light and whom shall I fear? Whom shall I?